God sent his mighty angel Gabriel to visit a young woman in the town of Nazareth. Her name was Mary, and she was supposed to get married to a man named Joseph. Gabriel has said to Mary, hello, peace be with you. God is very pleased with you and has given you favor. Mary was confused and a little disturbed by this. What could he mean? But Gabriel said to her, don't be afraid. God has been very kind to you. You are going to become pregnant and give birth to the son to be named Jesus. He will be a great man, the son of the most high. He'll have a kingdom that will never end. Mary was still confused, so she asked, how will this happen? I'm still a virgin. But Gabriel explained it like this. The Holy Spirit is going to cause you to become pregnant. This means the baby will be holy. He's really going to be the son of God, and there's even more good news. Your cousin, Elizabeth, who instead of being young like you, is old enough that everyone thinks she's too old to have a child. She's, she's pregnant to about six months along. God told her it would happen, and it is. Earlier, an angel, an angel had told her husband Elizabeth would be pregnant and that her baby would prepare the way for the Lord. Mary thought about these things, and she said to the angel, Whatever the Lord needs, I am his servant. Let all you say become true. Then Mary said goodbye to her family and went to visit her older cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was overjoyed to see Mary, but her baby was even more happy. As Mary approached, the baby inside Elizabeth leapt, for he knew that Jesus the Lord was being knit together inside of Mary. After that, Mary spent three months with Elizabeth, or until about the time Elizabeth's son John was born. Understandably, Joseph was concerned and disappointed when he found out that Mary was pregnant. He thought she had cheated on him, so he was going to cancel the wedding. But an angel visited him, too, and it said to him, Don't be afraid to marry Mary. He explained to Joseph that the baby was from the Holy Spirit, that Mary wasn't lying, that the baby was really the Son of God. His name was to be Jesus because he would save people from their sins. He would also go by the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph woke up from his conversation with the angel and did what he'd said he would do. He married Mary. When it was almost time to have their baby, Mary and Joseph found out that the ruler of the nation they lived in wanted a list of everyone he ruled over to make up, make sure they paid their taxes. Everyone had to return the town where their families originally came from and add their names to the list called a census. Joseph's family came from Bethlehem, a town where 70 miles from Nazareth where they lived. The traveling was slow because they had to walk or ride a donkey and Mary was very pregnant. When they arrived in Bethlehem, they were having a hard time finding a place to stay. Many people had traveled to the town and the hotels, then called inns, were full. This forced them to stay amongst the animals, though they were protected from the weather and the animals kept them warm. It was there that Mary gave birth to Jesus and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger.
family came to visit the newborn baby, but an angel did visit. Some shepherds out in the field to tell them about Jesus. While they were guarding their sheep, an angel appeared to them and said, Don't be afraid, I've got very, very great news for you that is going to bring great joy. The Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. Then he told them how to find Jesus. Then a whole host or army of angels appeared and sang out, Lord, glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. The shepherds didn't waste time going to find Jesus, and after they did, they couldn't help but tell everyone what or whom they had seen. They had seen the Savior. After a baby was born, there were traditions that people did. One of those was to present the firstborn son to be dedicated to the Lord, according to God's law. Mary and Joseph did as they were supposed to, as so many before them had done. While there, it was confirmed again that Jesus really was the Son of God and would be the Savior of the world by a man named Simon. He didn't tell Mary and Joseph it would be easy. In fact, he said a lot about being the parents of Jesus was going to be very hard. But he praised God for the baby boy. A woman named Anna also confirmed the status of Jesus by praising God for him. When Jesus was born, a new star appeared in the night sky. Some men that had studied the stars saw it appear, and based on things that had been said before, figured out what it meant. So they went to find the new king that had been born. They followed the star to Judea and went around Jerusalem, the capital city. Asking questions, they asked, where is the child who is to be born king of the Jews? The great king, Herod, didn't take well to these questions. He didn't want to be replaced. He talked to the men and told them that when they found the baby, he wanted to know so he could go visit and worship the new king. But his real plan was not to worship the baby, who would be born as Jesus. His plan was to kill him. The men continued following the star and found that it led them directly to where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were now living. They entered the house, bowed down, and worshipped Jesus. Then they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. While there in a dream, God revealed to them that Herod had been lying. So instead of returning to Herod, they returned to their home by another path. After the men left, an angel gave Joseph a warning in a dream. He told Joseph, get up. Take Jesus and Mary and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to try to find Jesus and kill him. Herod tried his best. He ordered that all the boys younger than two be killed in an attempt to hopefully catch Jesus while doing so. He did this because the men from other countries had not told him where to find Jesus. But Joseph had again listened to the angel. They had fled and stayed in Egypt until Herod had died.
Finally, Joseph had another dream where he learned he could go back to Israel, that the people trying to kill his son had died. So Joseph took his family back to Israel. Since Herod's son had taken his place, Joseph put some distance between him and his family. They settled into their own town of Nazareth. Shadows have settled in Earth's avenue. Streets and souls now hold sin's residue. The proud dark laughs at the chains round our wrists cause we've earned every link and in our strength they won't split. Here, hope's a dirty word and faith's sight is blurred. We're all beggars reaching for love's imitation, all mad for a hit of artificial affection. And the groan of our hour ever wrestles with howls from thrills we're force-fed by circus and bread. Look up, war-torn father and mother. Look up, O oh, exile, you runaway brother. Outcast, downcast, sister shivering in gutters. Look up, night's hour is done. Look up, for your light has come. Humanity's catalyst cries in a cattle stall. He came to your cry, the word heard your call. The Lamb of God, born surrounded by sheep. The light of the world met us each in the street. And it's right where you are, the light meets your gaze. He's unblinking, relentless, love blazes unfazed. Who can disarm the dawn as it's breaking? Who can deny that the night's knees are shaking? No chain you're found wearing can escape his unlocking. So wake up from the nightmare and come out of hiding. Thrill. 
Now this year has been a lot of things, but one thing that I think we can all agree on, and when I say this year, I mean Christmas Eve, I mean Christmas season, I mean the entire year of 2020. One thing I think we can all agree on is that it has been anything but the expected. It's been anything but conventional. You know, it's one of those years where you just, we've kind of had to say, okay, things are just going to be different and we don't know when they're going to be different and we don't know why they're going to be different we don't know how they're going to be different some of you right now are joining us for christmas eve and you're actually sitting there going this is one of those things that's different that i absolutely love because you are sitting at home right now and you are you're kind of lounging in your whatever lounge clothes it is that you like to wear or maybe you're you know doing this Christmas Eve and you're getting ready for bed and so you're you're in your pajamas already or maybe you decide to do this Christmas morning and you're in your pajamas still and you're thinking man I didn't have to dress up which truth be told you never have to dress up I don't know where the tradition started for Christmas Eve to dress up a little bit nicer but it's not one that you ever have to feel like you have to do by any means if you walk in here and you're in your jams as long as you know they're appropriate jams then we're gonna it's gonna be awesome to see you. But then there are others, that's a little yeah, a little distraction. Then there are others who you're you're joining us right now and you're thinking, man, I really didn't want to have to do this online thing again. And now we have to do it on Christmas Eve. And you know, maybe it's not bothering you a lot. It's just kind of a just not a fan of it. Or maybe it is bothering you a lot. And maybe it's kind of starting to pull you into what we sometimes refer to as a dark place. You know, we've all experienced dark places at some point or another. I've experienced dark places at points in my life. And truthfully, I've experienced dark places in ministry within the church. I mean, it, it happens. You know, I, I have mentioned this several times. And you're probably tired of me talking about it, but I love to run. And my favorite time to run, for whatever reason, I think it's because I feel like I'm running faster, uh, but my favorite time to run is actually at dark. Not dusk, but at dark. But when you run in the dark, there's some different precautions that you have to take, and there's some different hazards that you have. And, and I've come along, you know, when you're running under the street lights, and it lights up your, your corner that you're on, or your street that you're on, your eyes begin to adjust to that light, and and then you get to a, a street corner where there isn't a street light. And all of a sudden, like, it feels pitch black. Like, you talk about darkness on the streets. That's exactly, you feel like there's no light whatsoever to be had around you. And you, even at this age, I begin to, to start wondering what's out there in the dark that I can't see. You know, is there an animal out there? Is there a hole that's out in the street that I'm going to that I'm going to step in and hurt myself or maybe just a little crack in the street that I'm going to trip over? What's out there in the dark that could cause me harm right now? Now that's that's running, but really we have that for our lives too. That we have those moments in our lives where the you can call it anxiety, you can call it fear, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But we have those moments where we begin to become fearful and anxious that 
what's out there that's going to be the next thing? You know, I'm running down the street and the light's out and that's the first thing, but, but what's that next thing that's out there in the darkness? What's that next thing that's going to pull me even lower so that I feel even worse about where my life currently stands? I've experienced things like that, and I mentioned that, that, you know, in my life when I was young, it would be a, a relationship ended and it would pull me into this dark place. And then I've realized years later that maybe that wasn't as bad as I, th I thought it was back then. And then there were some things that happened in college, and, and as I got older, there's some things that have happened that have pulled me into these dark places. And I know it sounds like such a church pastor answer. But truly, the light that I was able to keep my eyes on was a light that came into a dark world 2,000 years ago. It wasn't, if you look in the history books, 2,000 years ago wasn't like this cheery place where everyone was having a good time. I mean, we like to sometimes say things have gotten so much worse. Well, things were pretty bad back then. And this star, brighter than any other in the sky, began to shine. And it showed people where to go to find this Messiah, to find this Jesus, this baby that was born. And so they went, and they found him. And I, as you read their accounts, they walk away praising him. And they can't stay quiet. They, they have to do certain things because they're so excited because all of a sudden they can see differently than they've ever seen before. They're not walking in the darkness anymore having to shuffle along, but instead they can see brightly. It's like when I'm running down those roads and I get to the next streetlight, well now I can speed back up. Now I can be confident that there's not something in the immediate vicinity that's going to jump out and hurt me or there's not something in the road that's going to trip me up and I can start to just I can move along at my regular pace again. I don't have to be afraid anymore. Or you know, it's maybe you've at some point stood in a dark room or outside in the dark or you know, just a, a cave maybe, I don't know. And it, it's completely dark around you and you can't see anything and, and you, you strike a match. And all of a sudden you can kind of see the walls around you or the, the cave walls around you or or you can just see a little bit of the path of where you're walking in front of you. And that's the story of Christmas. Light came into darkness. And when you introduce light into darkness, the light wins. Back then, the light came into a dark world. And we read in John 1.5 that the, the darkness could not understand it. It couldn't extinguish it either. And it still can't today. Church, our role is to reflect that light so that other people can see. Now, I don't know where this tradition started, uh, but for at least my 37 years of Christmases, or the, at least the ones that I can remember, I think we've always ended a Christmas Eve service with the same song, and the lights will pull down in the sanctuary that we're in or wherever it is that we are at the time, and we'll light candles or glow sticks or you know, have some sort of other light, but we'll light those. That'll be all that we see is those lights. Uh-oh, it looks like I got a... That doesn't help very much. Man, it's real bad when you try to do an analogy and the thing doesn't work, but I couldn't really test that out ahead of time. 
But it becomes all you see and it becomes the, the light that shines around you. And that's what we're talking about this year. So I would invite you right now, if you were here on Sunday, grab your glow stick that you took home with you. Or if you weren't here, grab a candle, grab a flashlight, use the flashlight off the back of your cell phone. Use something and turn off the rest of the lights and just see what a difference that light makes. Because in the dark streets shineth a light that can never be extinguished. He continues to this day, 2,000 years later. To be the light in the dark streets that shines for all to see. <laughs> 